And we are back with another week of Professional Wrestling, the podcast with the manager, the chosen lawyer, and his favorite, and so far only wrestling client, the one, the only, Mason Rush. Mace? Thank you. Do you go Pleasure by Mason to be or here. Mace? I go by uh, whatever you want. There's, I don't have a preference. Mason, Rush, whatever you want. Well, Mason. Mr. Rush. Yes. Mr. Rush works too. Mr. Rush, and you're welcome. So, <laughs> uh, big topic we picked up from last time was Roman Reigns. Okay. And we're hinting at you had a possibility of someone dethroning him, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities of, of people to dethrone Roman Reigns. It's just, yeah, just a matter of who they, who they bring up. So, a couple guys, I, I constantly was stuck on Gunther. Losing his intercontinental belt by one way or another, and he's the guy that dethroned Roman Reigns. But my sources are telling me that there's a new person on the horizon, and he's going to be the one to take Roman. And it is your favorite AEW reject, and it no, be don't CM Punk. Don't even go there. Come man. on. No, you don't see it. Nope. I'm. You know what? You can you. CM Punk and uh, and your boy Karrion Cross, they can they can have a little feud together, and you'll be the only one who likes it. But first of all, our I'll be okay with that. Our producer is the one that owns a CM Punk shirt from when he was like five. Not not yeah. I. Yeah, our producer is also a, a major John Cena fan. Well, you can't see him, so that, he, has to, he has to pick someone he could at least see. We'll get through this because we've got to cover it. And as we're going to today, this is not the real topic. But number one, CM Punk AW firing. Is, is it a work or is it real in your estimation? I, I think I've said all along, I think it's a work. I think they need serious politics, drama to sell shows, right? Like it's a totally different, the indie scene, the, the AEW is very different the way they draw fans and the fans that they draw. Um, that kind of stuff wouldn't fly with WWE, with their audience, but seems to work. So you're a betting man, you're saying it's a work. I, if I'm a betting man, I would say that this is, they go backstage and they laugh on their money together and while well, they count it. Let's take the, the situation that this is real. Tony Khan felt very threatened. Yeah, yeah, He had yeah, to do what he had to do. So now the guy that he made a show for called Collision on Saturday right. and he has nobody else to really fill the show except for CM Punk. Right. Let's just fire him right now before... He's going on in Chicago, his hometown. It's a little too convenient. But let's say this is real. Right. Let's just say it's real. Right. So now is Triple H getting all excited and saying, CM, come on back to the fold, or is that door closed as well? I think now that I'm now that I'm in it, I think that the importance of the locker room politics, the importance of everyone getting along and no drama is so important because of how much time they spend together that you can't risk bringing somebody in that the majority of people don't like and has a track record of being a, a problem in the locker room. With that being said, he could also be the greatest character of all time at creating works and at fooling his fans, right? That's, that seems to be what his claim to fame has been since day one, is his, his talking ability, his selling ability. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to argue that CM Punk's one of the best technical wrestlers on the planet. 
I don't really care. I just want to hear a cult of personality, and I want to hear him come out and people yeah. cheer which, which him and boo. Which the importance of a good gimmick, a good entrance, right? That could that could overshadow poor skill and poor technique any day of the week. I was at Forbidden Door Live 2023, and I can tell you half the crowd was booing him, half the crowd was cheering him, 1,000%. When he first came, when he first came to AEW, the ratings were off the charts. And I can tell you this much with him sitting here now fired, Jack Perry suspended indefinitely. Which, by the way, I like that that character change a lot. You bring those guys back, I have to watch that now. I am so vested in this. I am so excited. But if this is not a work and he's really done, I think he may be done altogether with wrestling because I don't. I think the doors shut just like John Moxley with WWE. And that's where, you know, you, you've you been yeah. talking about it. I'm going to ask you, but more point blank on this. At the end of the day, you step into Hamilton Pro Wrestling, first time in a locker room, everything else. If you walk in there and you tell them, listen, I got the best physique. You're all amateurs compared to me. You're lasting very long in that locker room, in your estimation? No. I, some of the – I've played a lot of sports, almost all of them at a pretty high level. Some of the nicest people, most down-to-earth, real people I've ever met is in a wrestling locker room. Um, and then they go out and they show, you know, they do what they do in the ring. And as soon as we come back together, it's, it's all polite. It's nice. It's a good time. It's helping. It's sharing. It's, it's not, it's probably the opposite of what you would display out in the ring. Um, so yeah, no, if you're, if your real life person is, is what your character should be, then you're probably not going to make a lot of friends, which touches again on the theory thing, right? Is you can tell by his real life out of the ring Instagram, his life mm-hmm. that he he really thinks about himself the way he does in the ring as his character, right? So I don't think there's much separation. The best wrestlers, the best people I've met almost have a 180 between their gimmick and their real life personality. Whether in real life they're really, really nice and in the ring they're a little bit of a heel or they're a little bit, you know, call angry or, or even just not so nice in person and they're such a nice baby face in the ring like people are usually i find the best wrestlers are the ones that can turn on the opposite personality in the ring so i'll tell you a personal story you were part of there with me you know before we got into this wrestling uh, family together and uh, you're still my trainer and uh, you know i'm very very thankful because this is the body that mason rush built uh as i was doing my bodybuilding competition and I'd never done one before, and I went down to the locker room in the underbelly of the yeah. of the center. I walk in there, and right away, everybody was so freaking cool. I was shocked. One guy walks up to me and goes, hey, you're the flexing lawyer guy. And I'm like, hey, yeah. And what I was shocked, Mason, was this. I had guys that we knew we were competing against each other, okay? We know we're in the same category, and we're competing. They're walking up to me. They're like, hey, uh, you want a rice cake? I got some extra almond butter. Here, you want to do a pump with me right now? They were helping each other. Yeah. I was shocked. And these, and it was so cool. It made the experience that much better for everybody. Except there was the one jerk, which basically told everybody, this is a waste for me because I'm so much better than all of you. And he was a real, it was in real life. Like, this is like, yeah. no, there's no cameras on or anything else. At the end of the uh, whole production, he's the only guy who got drug tested. Yeah, there you go. And people don't really like jerks. And I think about the world of wrestling. How many guys have I seen that had the best physique and the best character? Take Carlito, for example, right? Carlito walks in there, beats John Cena right away for the belt. He was the U.S. champion, if I'm not mistaken. 
And he had the Apple, and he had the theme song, and I spit in the face of people who yeah. aren't cool, and he had the hair, right? But yet he's gone. What do we hear? Not so great in the locker room. How many of these guys you hear don't really get the – or they're getting a push, and the push stops. They weren't so good in the locker room. When I'm sitting in Hamilton Wrestling with our group, right, and we're watching your guys out there, the one guy we said, man, this guy's a jerk, bruiser. Bruiser was the biggest heel there. People had, I hate bruiser signs. I mean, we see his Instagram posts, right? Yep. He's a fisherman. He's a survivalist, everything yep. else. Yep. And saw you guys been training on the, in your days together there. So what's it been like training with Bruiser? And uh, what's that experience been like? How's he been for you? as? Uh, That's been good. It's been great. I mean, that was, uh, we were talking about that last week. I was literally on Instagram one night and... The champion of my federation sends me a DM and says, hey, man, do you want to go into the gym and train? And I, how excited was I to get that message? As soon as I responded, we set up a time. I think it was two or three weeks ago. We went in, we trained, and had a great session. And he, uh, he's got a lot of experience and a lot of, a lot of knowledge that he, he taught me. And then together with Rip, our coach, we, uh, we had some great sessions. Tell me about Rip Hamilton. Uh you know, I, I've met him a couple of times in person now. I've seen him in, uh, in, I call it the dungeon, but, you know, where you guys are training. It's the real life uh, Stu Hart uh, from Calgary. This is in Hamilton, Ontario. And uh, saw him at the, at the live event. And uh, Rip's a cool guy. He's a different kind of cat. Rip is, Rip is so, I mean, you could tell just by training with him how great he is. But even just the, the people, like if you don't know the, the industry and all the different schools and the wrestling companies around, all of them know Rip Impact, right? They, they know him as one of the top teachers, wrestlers, coaches, anything you can really say within local indie Ontario wrestling. And even beyond that, he's done stuff in the U.S. and Mexico, all that kind of stuff. But what's cool about him is he has an entire group of wrestlers that he's created himself, that he's worked with individually. So when he hosts a show, Hamilton Pro Wrestling, he can... Get a, a whole roster of, of wrestlers with just people he's trained. He doesn't have to hire out or, or ask other people to come in, um, which which again is so much better with safety and with you know the chemistry and all that kind of stuff when people wrestle. And that's why those locker rooms are so awesome. Is because everybody knows each other. They train together. They know their strengths and weaknesses, and generally want to help each other. Whereas I find when you're hiring you know contractors from different federations in the U.S. and Canada it's a lot more of a competitive atmosphere than everybody working together, which is how it should be, I think. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching uh, some highlights from Impact, and who do I see? I see Vanna Black, you know? I see her at Hamilton Wrestling. She was injured at the time, so she didn't wrestle at that event that I was at. And then here she's all of a sudden in Impact in the Battle, battle Royal. So uh, it's all connected at the end of the day, you know? And everybody is finding their way, and... Uh, the way I saw it was Bruiser and Rip, they must have started from somewhere, you know, just like you got into the industry. Mm -hmm. And they had their experienced people that helped show them the way. And I feel like in wrestling, it's all about, you know, getting to where you are and then bringing the next people in as well. And there's a lot of mentorship and there's a lot of camaraderie because if you don't get that mentorship camaraderie, you ain't going to make it, right? You need those people's experience to show yeah, you. 100%. You need, because it's so different than any sport really anyone's played, I've played, right? If you're playing hockey, you're playing golf, you're playing volleyball, whatever traditional sport, how do you make it to the top in the world? 
you're just the best at it. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter who you know. Doesn't matter your gimmick because you don't have one, right? It matters really how good you are at the sport, and that will take you, right? Wrestling's not like that. Just because you're strong and muscular and loud and great at acting, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a successful wrestler because at the high levels, everyone's like that. So what does it come down to? Do you pay your dues? Are you a nice person? Do you help the next generation? Those are the things that the whoever's deciding, you know, the match outcomes is not going to look at your suplexes. They're going to see how you've been as a person, as a role model, and do your, obviously your fans, but do the people in the locker room respect you enough to be their champion? Because that's what you are. Now, another aspect of it, and I'm going to ask you a very difficult question from a wrestling fan point of view, because I know you guys are talking about this all the time on the forums. You can have somebody with a great look, a great gimmick, everything going for them, but people say they're unsafe, they're stiff in the ring. Yep. And there's certain people you could see, they're like, you know, Bret Hart was known as a guy that would protect you at all costs, even if it damaged himself. He was safe in the ring. People liked working with him. There are other people that are known as very stiff, you know, and, you know, people say wrestling is fake at the end of the day. To me, I see what you're doing out there and I see the in-betweens and everything else. You working with somebody, that's like your partner. And at the end of the day, you're putting your life in, in their hands and vice versa. Is that actually the case? Yeah, 100%. And if you look at the way wrestling has gone and the way it's going, what's the ultimate way to become a pro wrestler now? It's not necessarily being good on the indies or coming from Hollywood or whatever. It's you do what you do. You know, you have your local matches, and then it's to the performance center, right? You have to go through that, that um, progression in order to make it to the WWE because when you're in there with million-dollar bodies and people on contracts and storylines – you can't risk being injured with stupid mistakes. So when you're coming from the same feeder system, the same NXT, the same, everyone knows what to expect, the same arm locks, the same hammer locks, right? You're not getting guys who've learned from different coaches of different parts of the world who might have different techniques. On top of that, when you're wrestling with the same people all the time, they don't just do Raw and SmackDown. They do house shows, they wrestle probably a few matches before they put it on the big show on Raw or SmackDown. So they're all comfortable with what's going on. If you start having random people filling in call-ups from different organizations with different strategies, different techniques, that's when you run into problems. Um, and, and that's why I think that they're so strict now. With right, If somebody gets hurt in the WWE, someone else comes in, they look exactly the same, they move the same. They have the sa it's all, it all comes from the same place, taught by the same people at the same performance center. That's the safest way to, to do it, in my opinion. If you talk about like the Austin theories of this world, at the end of the day, you know, people see him on, you know, SmackDown, they see him at a pay-per-view. But you know, you, you've told me many times on social media, and you're seeing he's going from city to city to city. This guy's wrestling like six, seven nights yeah. a week. Like that takes a heavy toll. Yeah. And if you're not a safe wrestler, and if you're not wrestling against somebody who's safe, you know, and putting that much mileage on your body, you know, that could be a very scary thing. And that's where I'm thinking as well. If you're somebody that's known as injuring people, I don't think you're going to last very long in this industry. I agreed. Totally. So I got to ask you, man, because it's been weighing on me for so long now. This whole payback situation with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, right? Yep. And Kevin Owens lurched up there in the crowd and did a swanton. That was unreal, yeah. Okay. 
I looked at it several times, slow motion. That was definitely a botch. Yes or no? Uh, I think he missed more of the table than he was he was hoping to to hit for sure. Um, it looked to me like he landed floor hard. His yeah, he landed feet first and then back and clipped the back of the table on his way down. Yeah, which is probably why he wasn't with Sami Zayn on SmackDown or on Raw on Monday. I don't know how this man was still alive after doing that. Yeah. But I got to say, you know, you're talking about the era of Mick Foley and jumping yeah. off steel cages on the tacks and everything and else. That's who this guy watched growing up. Kevin Owens put his life and body on the line. This yeah. is a father, this is a husband, yeah. and he gave it all out. That crowd and those the crowd's reaction next to him they were scared. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I was watching it, and I was like, what is he doing? Yeah. That was awesome. But on the same token, I'm like, he, I think he broke his arm. I yeah. was, like, really nervous for him. I was, uh, I was watching Payback with some casual fans who like wrestling, but they don't follow the storyline. They don't really know the wrestlers. Yeah. And uh, yesterday morning, they were still talking about the Kevin, Kevin Owens swanton off of the rafters because you don't have to know about wrestling to know that that's pretty cool. And I'm going to sum up today's episode of that, you know, this was a case with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. These are guys that jobbed for a long time. These are guys that, you know, didn't really get their credits, but they were good, loyal soldiers. They got into the storylines. They got the belts. And then if I'm going to look to the reverse of the guys who got the belts, Finn Balor and Damian Priest, look at their win-loss records. They took a lot of losses, too. Yeah. They took a lot of jobs. Finn Balor, the last three weeks, look, looked like an idiot every week. The briefcase under his leg, the briefcase over his shoulder, hits in the head with the briefcase, and the comments online were what? They're not using Finn Balor properly. They're wasting Finn Balor. Finn Balor's so much better than this. Give it two weeks. Damien Priest the loses strap. the Bad Bunny in That's Mexico. It. and all That's this. it. There's something about... It's a 24-hour memory. That's but, all it is. But you put in the work for us. You didn't need the credit for it. You put other people over. Eventually, you do get the reward, and that's pretty freaking cool as well. So congratulations to those guys. And I'm sure if I met Damien Priest or Finn Balor in the locker room as a wrestler, they would shake my hand and say hello. So uh, They would say, you know Mason Rush? That's what they would say. Watch out for him. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll have Mason Rush back another week. This is Professional Wrestling, the podcast.